Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote, Josh Kaiser joining me as always. Gentlemen, we are a podcast talking about a team that has lost 101 games on now September 12th. Likely going to be 102 after Jordan Miles peed in his pants in the fifth inning. Um, we're going to talk more about that in a second. So I want to talk about football. Um, what was your fate? What is your week one overreaction take? If you could pick one. That's a tough one. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are winning the Super Bowl. Um, I remember last week a certain somebody predicted that the Chiefs were going to lose, and then a certain somebody on this podcast said, oh, the Chiefs are going to lose on Banner Night. They're not the Rams. And then the Rams went out and throttled the Seattle Seahawks with a bunch of players that DK Metcalf couldn't even mention playing in that game. And Matt Stafford just absolutely balling with an elbow fully intact, and the Chiefs lost. So... Um, that's not really an overreaction. I know the Rams are still going to be a bad team this year, but I was very thrilled to um, see them win a game that I didn't think they were going to win, which is probably going to be the case every week. That might have been the most shocking result of the weekend. I think it was between that and the Niners just like sunning the Steelers. I guess Josh has a big one. The most shocking is the Aaron Rodgers Achilles. That, that, that's wrong. true. I mean, that was like, the most. I was trying. To, I was trying to not like kind of count because I think that that falls into a different category. Sure. But <laughs> for the Bills to still lose that game is absolutely hilarious. Like I Josh was Allen, in my. Ugh. Josh Allen stinks at times. Like this bad. dude. Like I, I have other takes on Josh Allen, but I think mm-hmm. my like overreaction is that Russell Wilson's going to get benched before Thanksgiving, and I don't think that's much of an overreaction. They're investing too much in him to bench him, dude. They're, they're going to let him ride it out all year. I don't think there's any way they bench him, no matter Sean how. Pay- Sean Payton isn't there to to try and fix Russell Wilson and make Russell Wilson work. He's there to fix the Broncos. But they don't have anyone better than him on the team. Yeah, who's that? It's the problem. Like, even it's- Russ could still be a top 32 quarterback, even if he's, like, I guess, 29th. Jared Stidham. <laughs> yes, Jared Stidham. <laughs> they get Jared Stidham. I once too. was a Jared Stidham fan. But I just... The fact that for for all the offseason hype, for all the we're you know, Russell Wilson's gonna he cut weight, he's gonna be more mobile, yeah. he's gonna do all this stuff. For him to I think he threw like five passes beyond twenty yards, like beyond, beyond like fifteen yards. Yeah. And he threw for 174 yards. You only score sixteen points against the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo, like yeah. now not a good look. I don't know. I don't think anything matters until October, but like I'm watching them very, very like carefully over the next few yeah. weeks. And there, and the the hubris of Sean Payton to try an onside kick in Week One, like to start the year. I don't know, man. To, I, I'm always I'm always game to laugh at the Broncos, but like that was a special type of. What are you doing? Hey, man, it's no Dan Campbell going for it with a hey, part from him. inside his yeah. own twenty. But like Dan That's, Campbell's just built different. Yeah, the only like difference between those two is one worked and one did. They're both, <laughs> they're both equally ridiculous. Both wild. Yeah, if it didn't work. We would all be good. Like people in Detroit would be like, "What the 
is Dan Campbell oh, yeah. right now. Like, I mean, it's all like those, those types of like fourth down decisions and part decision stuff. It's all completely results oriented. Like, if it doesn't work, you're an idiot. But if it works, no one says anything. I would say that's true with one exception, and that is when you go to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. Because at that point, if you're not going for any short Correct. fourth down, don't yeah. short fourth and short distance, then you're kind of you're kind of the bum at that point. But if you do go for it and you lose, people be like, yeah, I kind of get it. We got to score some points. We got to keep drives sustained and whatever. But my big overreaction is the Bengals are done now that they've paid Joe Burrow. Since they paid Joe Burleys, they've only scored three points as a team. I don't think that's a coincidence. I'm just going to choose to pick that. So the Bengals are dead. Did you know that uh, the three of us combined had the same amount of catches as T. Higgins? <laughs> Insane. That was just the all-time bad. Like, I've seen Joe Burrow have some bad games. Really, he had a terrible week one last year, and he was still mm. just as bad this time. Yep. Yeah, that was it, that it was might be a Because the Browns aren't good either. He doesn't play against the Browns very well. I, I did oh. not know that. It is pretty historic that he is pretty bad against the Browns. Which Their I defense is also kind of salty. Like, on paper, yeah. I don't know if they're actually going to be good, but they, yep. they might surprise a few people. But they also have, yeah, the the quarterback so we're not going to believe in the browns this is not going to happen in but this is no. not yeah this is it not. could be a little wily well this is not a football podcast although at this point I'm sure as hell wish it was this is a baseball podcast talking about one of the worst teams in baseball and uh, we can't thank kansas city strength and conditioning enough for the opportunity to come on this podcast every single week and do this for you guys here on kcsn day one supporters of this podcast and we can't thank them enough for that so without further ado gentlemen cheers um but prior to recording the royals were winning nine to one and now it is currently nine to nine in game nope, ten to nine. Oh, it's ten to nine <laughs> we got the lead back oh great but we're okay uh i'm not gonna <laughs> we're we're not gonna miss the forest for the trees here uh back with the royals were up nine to one and then the game went nine to nine after <laughs> And Doesn't change it was, much. It's no, no, and it, it a lot of it is just predicated on it's Jordan Lyles. Like I'm not trying to put it all on one dude, but he and it's so funny because he had a perfect game going to the fourth inning. Everyone's like, oh, maybe he can get through the sixth and just you know maybe he gives up a run or two and we move on. And no nope. problem all year has been the blow up inning, and it's not often where it's multiple innings. It's just one awful inning that ruins a lot of these starts for him. And I mean, it's a, this is not including tonight, but it's a 6.24 ERA. He has the given up the most earned runs in baseball, which he has the uh, dubious honor of leading the league in three times in his career. He's given up 35 home runs. The FIP is 5.72. So I guess it's under six. So congrats. The Royals gave this guy $17 million. And I know that, you split that down the middle, you know, it's nine and a half next year or eight and a half, whatever it is. I think it would be completely unserious to bring him back. I don't care. Well, you better get ready, buddy. Yeah. And people are going to, and then fans are going to be like, damn, why do we keep sucking? I wonder why throwing this guy out every fifth day. I wonder why the, you, the Royals keep losing. It's because they keep throwing guys like this out. I understand there aren't many options, but in a year like this, where you know what you have in Jordan Lyles and nothing about it is really good. Why not give Anthony Veneziano a chance? Why not give Drew Parrish or Chandler Champlain or any of these guys 
that you want to get, if you want to truly evaluate this team, shut down Jordan Lyons. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, and we're going to talk about another guy that probably needs to get shut down for different reasons, but it's all around bad. He's had a couple good starts this year, and you give him credit for going out there every fifth day and grinding through innings. He has three complete games in which the Royals have lost to that game. He had a great start against the Red Sox when he gave up only one, one or two runs and, you know, held him down. And I give the dude credit for going out there and grinding every day because he, he, he's hard. not going out there intentionally sucking. Like, it's not that. It's just a guy, you know, with a career 5-2-2 ERA, and he's 32 years old. Like, he is what he is. We knew what he was probably going to be coming into the year. It's been worse than even those reasonable expectations. I just, I don't know what you do. And I I don't know how you can pencil him into the rotation next year when it's been this bad. He's going to be a year older. So you can't think it's going to magically turn around. So I, I'm at a point where it's just, I, I'm spiraling out on it and it's frustrating, but eventually I was just got to say something about it. I will uh, add one minor piece of context. Hunter Dozier was on the books for $7.25 million when the Royals parted ways with him, um, obviously in season, so... I still think Jordan Lyles is absolutely going to be on the opening day roster for the Royals. I still think he begins the year with the team. If he does get lit up like three or four starts in a row, though, and they have decent health, and then you look down the pipe and you have Chris Bubich coming back in a month or two, like stuff like that, the combination of everything might be enough to where they part ways with him. But um, I don't think he's going anywhere until... After that happens. And like you said, Joel, it's unserious because he's not going to be good to start the year. You'd be better off signing a middling guy to do that or calling up someone to do the same thing. At least see if they offer. At least at that point, you would have some sort of evaluation on that guy where they fit into the future. Jordan Lyles is not that. And if they bring back Jordan Lyles and he is truly like your fifth starter and you're like, there is absolutely zero expectation that he's going to do anything but that. Okay. Like that's fine. Or you put him in the bullpen and he is a long reliever or truly like exclusively mop up duty at the end of a game. Like, and there is a def- truly defined role that doesn't have him taking serious innings away from people. I- I'm willing to listen to that argument. But if you want to pencil him to the rotation as your three, like a- the Royals essentially did this year, I think it's a joke. I, I do. And there's not like yeah. this team is going to be any better next year. Like, they may be a slightly. Like you can you can only go up from where they are this year, but you you can't expect like you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and we want to win games and we're gonna give Jordan Lyles innings. Like it's you know, there's both sides of it. That's definitely one of those situations where you're bringing in a couple different non roster invitees to potentially take his spot. And if they're you're able to find something with those guys the value that you get from those guys is going to offset that eight and a half million dollars you're paying the Lyles to go away. Um, Jordan, the fun part about Hunter Dozier and what they still owe him is there is a reality where Salvador Perez gets dealt this offseason and Hunter Dozier's $10 million payroll hit is the highest paid player on the Royals next year. That's... Rough, man. <laughs> That's as bad as Ken Griffey Jr. being the third highest paid red this year. <laughs> it's except the the part where the value that Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, the last thing is way different than the value that still funny. It's still, <laughs> yeah. still <laughs> yes. 
but I, I mean, I, I'm kind of with Joel, or I'm kind of with both of you, really. I mean, Joel, I definitely understand the frustration. I think there is a reality where, yes, he could be the fifth man of the rotation. They can give him the grinky treatment next year. They can bring up some younger guys to kind of, you know, figure out what they are. They can sign potentially a couple of guys that are not going to be the Aaron Nolas. They're not going to be the whatevers, the high, the Shohei's or whatever. They could be like the Lugos. They could be like the the guys who aren't going to require like friends a, in or something. Yeah, like that. I we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think when you were gone, but it, I think the fact that they they probably won't be getting anybody that would be needed to surrender draft capital for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'd doubt that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be in the MVP race to be able to get that PPI pick, but. Um, I think that they're not ever going to surrender draft capital to sign free agents at all, ever. I don't think that's ever going to be a thing. So um, I, I think that they're going to be dipping in that pool with some non-roster invitees and maybe some cheaper guys rebound, but understandably frustrating. I think there's still a little bit more to it, and I think he could rebound if they're baby in a little bit, but at this point, I, I don't really care. <laughs> I'll know where I'm at. I'll jump in real quick and give mine uh, before we eventually jump to a break here. Brady Singer's velocity was down once again, averaged uh, 90.8 miles per hour on the fastball. The max was 92.5, the minimum 88.9. The season average is 92.2, so a full mile an hour and a half um, below. Gave up nine hits, six earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts on Tuesday in game one against the White Sox. His quote, and this is from Andy, not much concern. I don't know why it's down. If I knew, I'd obviously fix it. I'd like to have it back. I'm not sure. I really don't have an answer for you. Then Q says um, he's cutting some balls and not getting through them quite as much. Could possibly be uh, because this time of year, but there's no injury concerns. So Brady Singer's last 10 starts have been bad. Last five have not been good. Uh, This looks to me like a guy who's dealing with something, and maybe it's just fatigue, but that's also... Not good if he's the guy that's supposed to be leading your rotation or one of the two guys leading it. And the other guy, by the way, has blown out his elbow twice and had Tommy John. And then one of them also just blew out his elbow and one of them has a shoulder problem. Like, this is not the durable rotation, which, and again, this is not a complete defense, but is why they put guys like Jordan Lyles out there. Now, you can get someone to give you somewhat of the length he can give you for much better production probably and for a similar price point but long-winded way of saying um, it might be time to just tell Brady Singer to hang it up for the year especially if they can't figure out what it is maybe they do know and he's just working through it but um, that's not great it's all those world baseball classic innings yeah I when when Sager went on the paternity list and, you know, congrats to him and his wife there, it comes back that first start and it was not good. It had all the velocity was down. He looked tired and Josh can attest to this because he and I both have kids that attempting to get any sort of rest on that god awful chair in the in the recovery room is a brutal existence. So the fact that he even went out there and pitched like three days after the fact, like credit where it's due for at least going out there but like so I was willing to kind of just let that pass I know I know that sounds like excuse making it it is and I don't care um but the last couple but even the couple of starts after that has been really bad and it's just at a point in the year where there's no reason to risk injury and keep trying to go out there and see if you can reef you know refine the velocity just shut it down there's no reason to risk injury at this point and you know 
come back in 2024 and and hope that maybe he's able to get it back after some time off. It might just be that at this point. Wonder what the paternity leave situation is for a baseball team that's lost 101 games. Speaking of 101 games, the Royals did lose their 100th game, and then today their 101st uh, will to be determined on 102, but that is probably coming at some point in the next 17 games. But I wanted to kind of look a little bit, and I was looking a little bit at the standings on baseball reference and their Pythagorean you know, theoretical record. <clears throat> they think that the Royals should be 54-90, which gives them a luck value, quote-unquote, of minus 10, meaning they are 10 games under where they probably should be if the season was in a vacuum. That seemed pretty damn unlucky to me, so I went and looked in the past you know, 23 seasons to see just how bad and unlucky that is. There are only four teams since the year 2000 that have a worst luck season, and one of them happens to be the Padres this season, who have a net minus 11, the 18 Dodgers at minus 10, the 14 A's ring a bell, 14 A's had a minus 11 as well, and the 06 Indians was a minus 11. So this is a very good or very bad and very unlucky team, which brings us to where we are in this situation. Oh, yeah, per baseball reference, they also have 46 blown leads this season. 46. I, I That astounded me. So again, dove into it. They are the second highest blown lead amount after the White Sox of all teams. Um, but they got to rebuild this bullpen. It, it, they have to do it this offseason because we can sit here and assess each individual player off of what their numbers say that they're doing. But I, it, it, it's all pretty meaningless until the roster is built in a way that they are able to win ball games. And if they get themselves into a lead, which they have been way more competitive in the second half, they've gotten themselves in a position to win or you know at least be competitive and the bullpen blows. It just absolutely sucks right now. So they got to start building this bullpen back up. I think you could still pretty much salvage, you got to salvage Carlos Hernandez, who still has got some good stuff plus models. His location sucks really bad. Mm, he does not know where it's going. That is absolutely the issue. If it's, not a, if it's not a ball, it's getting hammered 450 feet away. So they, I think they're still going to salvaging Carlos Hernandez if they don't deal him. John McMillan just got activated by Omaha, I believe, today, so he will probably be in the mix for the bullpen next year. I've kind of liked what I've seen from James MacArthur in the last, like, three weeks. I think he's been... Mm-hmm. As sur- he settled in surprised. nicely after, like, one of the worst days yeah. we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Take that out of, the, out of the equation, and he's looking pretty solid. So, uh, also, shout-out to Austin Cox. Uh, get, well, get well soon. That uh, full ACL tear was confirmed today. Uh, an absolute bummer for him. Uh, so speedy recovery in him, but they got to get figuring out what's going to happen with this bullpen in 2024 to further assess the macro of the team to see the whole forest from the trees at this point. Yeah, I don't think we needed to belabor the triple digit loss point here. Um, <laughs> so we, we can move on. I did want to hit one quick note that was dropped by CBS Sports a couple of days ago, and we don't need to spend too much time on it, but it says the Royals were believed to be among teams scouting Japanese pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto who pitched for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic, really showcased to the world, like, he is one of the best pitchers in the world. He's won the Triple Crown in Japan two years in a row and is looking to do it for a third, has won their Cy Young the last two years as well. But the fact that the Royals are even a team that is in the mix, even if they're not going to sign him, is, I think, noteworthy 
considering what J.J. Piccolo told us in the preseason, that they are not normally a team that is in or really scouts the Asian Pacific markets very much because it's hard to compete with coastal big market teams being in Kansas City. But something that I think is intriguing and maybe even if it's not Yamamoto, maybe it's another player down the line that they they find their way into and and go from there. Just thought it was well, interesting. And, and also, like, that's not an agent leak because no offense to the Royals, but, like, no agents could, like, yeah, the Royals are in on my client like that, that they don't. Yeah. It, it does still, not matter. Still, so. still noteworthy, I think. That so it's legit. legit. Yeah, yeah, no, that, it, it emphasizes the airport. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let, let's pay some bills, boys. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www1... That was... 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Man. Uh, in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 years or older varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football. Terms for eligibility, terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming sources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. That was brutal. We're going to take a break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas.
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys sticking with us on all platforms during this season. Our hitter spotlight is going to be a little bit different this week. Uh, we are going to talk about the guys that have the most to gain and most to show over the remaining uh, 18 games this season. Uh, we're going to each hit a, a couple of guys and probably can talk about some pitchers in here as well, kind of similarly. The guy that I want to talk about is Nick Lofton, who uh, we talked about him last week. Uh, but he's continued to look very impressive at the plate. He had that go-ahead RBI triple in Toronto. I know that the Royals lost the game, yada, yada. Still a big hit for him. Is he going to be able to earn a full-time position with the Royals, whether it be at second base, third base, left field, whatever the case? Or is he just going to be a bench utility guy? You know, a solid stretch here moving forward could mean that he could find his way onto the opening day lineup and the opening day roster uh, with a full-time spot. So... I think that he's he's looked the part, certainly has uh, hit the ball hard, done a lot of good things at the plate from an approach perspective, played the field just fine, played some first base and looked you know fairly decent doing it, which is noteworthy as well. Uh, does he find himself in a platoon position or can he just man a position on his own? That's what I'm most interested to see with what uh, Nick Lofton's going to do down the stretch. That's good. Um, I guess we could go like Snake or Brown Robin or whatever format we, we want to do, but if Nick Lofton does ball out he could push this guy for some playing time in 2024 and frankly i think he should uh, michael massey like there were the reports of his improvement over the past couple months i thought were like greatly overstated like he got hot earlier in the season after he came out of the gate and was just absolutely struggling big time uh, but since the all-star break walking four percent of the time with the 70 WRC plus in the month of August, he walked 2.8% of the time with a 53 WRC plus. Um, he just wasn't producing. And for some reason, the narrative was still that he was doing a lot better after his rep start. And it just wasn't true. However, in the month of September entering Tuesday, when I believe he had a three run home run in the second game, um, walking six and a half percent of the time, 94 WRC plus the BABIP was an even 300 the slugging percentage was almost 100 points above his season average. So I've made my stance on Massey pretty clear. Um, he doesn't have direct competition for 2024, but he probably should, in my opinion. But um, despite not showing that he has offensively what it takes to be a viable everyday starter, he has had stints that show that, and his defense is fantastic. So I'm still in the mix, absolutely. But if he can finish the season on a higher note, instead of this, I guess it would be kind of a, a an encapsulation of his year up and down, up and down, up and down um, with the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. He needs to end on a good note instead of kind of fading off into the winter. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. I'm a Massey believer. I believe a few weeks ago I had him as the core, or at least uh, just on this side of the core, um, I would still potentially do that, but I do think that Lofton could potentially take some of the uh, 
should at least be in the mix for second base reps uh, definitely next year. And I mean, he's done it tonight, so it makes sense. But another thing that he could possibly do me in the mix for is in the outfield. And I think the Weaver, we've got all three of them kind of on the fringe to talk about here. But I wanted to kind of focus on Drew Waters. Um, they dealt for him last year <clears throat> at the, right before the MLB draft. And since then, he's been pretty hot and cold. He kind of runs the gamut and has a very wide range of outcomes when he goes to the plate. But since the All-Star break, he's slashing 238, 322, 424. 99 WRC plus the 10 and a half percent walk rate, which he's the only guy on the Royals that is a double digit walk rate at the moment. So he's actually walking, which is the problem last year. Um, still striking out 27 and a half percent of the time, which I think is, you know, acceptable to an extent, uh, when he's walking that much, um, nine to 10 in stolen base attempts. He's chasing less. He's down four and a half percent of his chase rate. Um, he's also getting less balls in the zone, which is kind of, uh, important in that equation as well as string strike percentages down, but he's also not hitting the ball as hard as he was earlier in the year. So it's kind of a weird give and take with Drew Waters, but if he's going to prove that he's going to be in the mix further, especially in 2024 as a mainstay in that lineup, he's got to do it now. We're already talking about, you know, how's this outfield shakeout next year. If people want to start platooning him with Nick or Kyle Isbell in the, uh, in center field hitting him I, I believe I, Isabel has reverse splits so you'd be hitting Drew Waters against righties so he'd be getting more reps in theory which is what I want I don't want him losing reps to Kyle Isabel at this point I think Isabel's role should be and could be very valuable as a fourth outfielder in a defense placement who could play all field or all outfield positions really well I think that's the case but I think uh, Waters upside is still higher than Isabel's but of course his floor is as well so He's got to take this uh, these last 17, 18 games in stride, really got to do something with him. He's just 24 years old, so there's still time, but uh, it's assessment season, and I don't want to do it again another uh, a year and a half. So give me some Drew Waters for the rest of this uh, year and see where he is at the end of it. Yeah. I think another guy that I want to hit on, too, we, we talked about him the last few weeks because of the, the hot home run hot streak, but Nelson Velasquez, um, I think he's still going to be more unless he has just the most abysmal spring of all time, probably going to be in your outfield or DH in 2024. Um, but the dude needs to learn how to hit anything but a fastball. This savant page is hilarious. If you want to look at the splits between fastball and curveball, like you want to see the living embodiment of Pedro Pedro Serrano, as Josh pointed out on Twitter today. Uh, <laughs> just for perspective, Nelson Velasquez has 10 home runs and is slugging 891 against fastballs and is slugging 226 against breaking balls and 250 against off-speed pitches. So I think teams are learning, hey, do not throw this guy a fastball in the strike zone. And that's the book. So I think we just, I think he, he's got to find a way to adjust to that even slightly. It's like the reverse Bobby Wood Jr., where if he can just even out the numbers a hair and can just show a you know a pension for every once in a while, you know, pop a double on a on a curveball or a changeup, then you know, it might be a little more tenable of a situation in the outfield for him. The power is undeniable, the swing is easy, but it is very, very clear that he is dead red sea ball hit ball and anything else is a problem. We uh have kind of talked about 
uh, Velazquez is like a, an Edward Olivares replacement, like the next version of him, like, oh, a little bit younger and, and a fresher profile and can offer even more of a trump card with his power. But quietly, Edward Olivares has been balling since he rejoined the yeah, team. Yeah, he has. So, in, in the month prior to being sent down, he slashed 263, 311, 368, 83 WRC+. plus. Not a disaster, but like not good enough given how bad his defense is um, and the lack of really acuity on, on base running and stuff like that to uh, be a great player. He's played seven games, not counting Tuesdays, obviously, since rejoining the team. He has nine hits in 21 plate appearances. Four of them are home runs. Um, he had three more RBIs on Tuesday to bring his total to 10 since coming back up. Is he forcing his way back into the outfield picture for 2024? Maybe. Maybe he was never out of it, and the Royals want to keep giving him um, chances. But also, could he be gaining momentum for a winter trade and finishing the year strong for that? I still maintain that um, if we ranked guys that were most likely to be traded this offseason, he would be relatively high on my personal list. Um, just based off logic and um, just kind of the picture in the outfield. So he's playing better. He really needed it. The the WRC plus, guess what it is in those seven games? I'll let both of you guess. 164. Came back. Come on. Yeah. Uh, 210. 319. <laughs> His slugging percentage is 1.10. One dot. Yeah, then. Yeah, he... So again, like like you said, it's a week, it's seven games, whatever, and this really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. But if he could parlay it into like a 150 WRC plus for the last few weeks of the season and, and takes advantage of it, then you're looking at maybe a tiny bit of momentum as opposed to, hey, I withered away in AAA and I'm still stuck there forever. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with Olivares in the offseason season. You mentioned trade potential, and I i mean, I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, was Carlos Hernandez could also be up a trade potential to kind of a sweeten a package. I think Oliveras could also fit that mold. How they're valued, either one of them is very uh, interesting and up in the air, I think. But I think, that, like I said earlier, that Carlos Hernandez could still be salvaged to be maybe not your closer. I'm not sure he's got the high leverage stuff in him at the moment, but he's still got the stuff plus, uh, according to, you know, Saris's model on fan graphs. Uh, prior to the trade deadline, his stuff plus rating is 128, most definitely higher than even Arolas Chapman at that point. The location was 102 plus, uh, so his overall pitching plus number is 109. After the trade deadline, the wheels kind of started falling off. The stuff was still there at 120. The location plus was 96, and his 102 was a pitching plus. So he's still above average as far as like his pitching plus overall profile says. But the numbers are most definitely not in his favor in that situation. You can I don't need more to the expected stats, which I'm more prone to do. I think they're a little bit more fun to look at if you're a Royals fan. Um, but I think Carlos Hernandez could be salvaged. It could be a situation that we kind of went into the offseason with a role as Chapman trade or deal anyways. Like, fix this guy and he could turn him into something super special. And I think that that's still within the realm of possibility with Carlos Hernandez, but they need to get it figured out. And uh, I think we could still do that. So he can still show in the next 16, 17 games that there is still stuff to work with. We just need to get it right. Get the mechanics right. If his, you know, if we need to get his head right, whatever we need to do, we got to get Carlos Hernandez correct so we can uh, get him back to his you know, proper pedestal again. 
Yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk about, do a huge minor league segment here for the end of the show. We're going to talk a little more in-depth about Columbia and Quad Cities now that their season is over. A little bit Omaha and Northwest Arkansas. We'll do that right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys. And I just noticed that we are over now 200 subscribers on our YouTube page for one baseball season and a triple and a, a team that has lost 101, 101 games. We appreciate that kind of support and let's hope we can keep up in those numbers going into next season. For our minor league report, let's talk about Triple uh, A Omaha. They have 12 games left and they are 15 games back, so they can do it. I promise. It's like it's like when it's like when you calculate your grades for finals, and yep. you always need 175 percent on the final mm-hmm. to get it be in the class. Yep, <laughs> been there. By the way, the the main I was going into to going into yeah. Tuesday, so I don't. Yeah, did they win today? Hey, they did win today. They did win yeah. today, so good for them. Uh, the main thing at Omaha is Logan Porter finally mm-hmm. got the call. One that we've been not necessarily clamoring for, but just we wanted to see it happen because. Why not? Uh, the it was kind of odd because Freddie Fermin went on the injured list with a fractured finger. The Royals call up Tyler Cropley, put him on the forty to go to Toronto, and then they DFA him immediately after, and then call up Logan Porter. So there probably was some sort of passport issue or something that he, I don't know what it was, but it seemed like this was going to be kind of the move all along, but. Like Logan Porter is a good story. Like he he is. Like he played at Utah Tech. He's 28 years old. He's, you know, just kind of grinded at each level, but the dude's found a way to hit at pretty much every level very quietly. Like he had in 22 just since 2021, this is his OPS every year except for yeah, yeah, 717 OPS this year. But 819 in high A a 924 in double A and 903 last year and then 717 this year. But the dude is just hit at every level. And it was just one of those things where he was kind of already, he was already older for a prospect. He was 25 in high A in 2021. So he was kind of a non-prospect, but has just found a way to make it work. And so it was, it's really cool to see a couple hits tonight. First, uh, first big league hit was a single up the middle for two RBIs. So, uh, it's really cool for him. I don't know if this this might just be a cup of coffee thing and he may not get another extended chance in the big leagues, but for the Royals to give him this opportunity on the stretch is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And like you look at the walk rates, like 14.5% in 2021, 18% in 2022 in AA, 19% in AAA, 13% this year. Like he's always had a very patient and advanced approach and he's kind of an advanced player like if i recall he's what 20 he's 28 okay so he's old like for a a rookie and a guy coming up for the first time um but last year really showed he was too good for the level and this year kind of struggled a little bit with scuffling 82 wrc plus in whatever 110 games i think he played at triple a yeah but he was ready for it and needed a challenge and again when these guys come up, you never think, okay, well, maybe it is a Dayron Blocko type thing where Freddie for me, these guys come up that are pushing 30 or at 30 upper 20s. You're like, okay, whatever. He's going to be a placeholder. But um, on a team that has guys that need places to be held and don't have uh, a ton of talent on that team, 
it's always worth a shot to give him a look. And he had it earned. He had it coming um, in the best of ways. So good for Logan Porter um, to get up from AAA and, and make his debut. And it was kind of a weird deal because over the last few weeks, they've kind of forced Salvi to take some reps at first base to keep his bat in the lineup, to keep Fermin's bat in the lineup. And I'm not complaining about what about that either one of those whatsoever. But Porter was playing catcher and first base, and he has yeah. been for the last like three seasons. So it is interesting that they were, you know, choosing to keep Matt Beatty on this roster, the Matt Duffy on this roster instead of giving Porter a shot and, and seeing what he could do. But maybe it's just an everyday reps thing. I don't really care at this point. He's up here. Congratulations to Logan Porter and shout out to his uh, his Twitter avatar is. One of the better ones out there is at Real Porter Potty. So shout out to <laughs> at Real fun. Porter Potty, uh, Logan Porter. Happy to happy to have you on this roster. Congratulations, dude! I want to get him on the podcast purely to ask him why that's his Twitter handle. And now, I mean, that, if that's yeah, I need the that's his Twitter story. handle. He gets it. Like he's oh the yeah, dude that I want to talk to all the time. That's neat. Uh, I, I'm going to jump in and jump to Double A. Um, Caden Wallace, he's played now 26 games entering Tuesday. First, I split it in two, literally. He's right down the middle. First 13, um, walked 10% of the time, struck out 19% of the time, 78 WRC+. plus. Like, okay, he's just settling in. Maybe the next half of that will be better. Um, he's walked 7% of the time, still the same strikeout rate, 72 WRC+. plus. He's ran into a little bit more power. The slight percentage is... Let's see the math 90 points higher um in the last 13 games but like he has not caught on quite yet and that's obviously the case for the guy drafted ahead of him um, in a much bigger sense and the royals just don't have um, great recent draft success stories at the higher level now this season obviously is a little bit different i think we're going to hit on um one guy that hasn't and one guy that has so far mm-hmm uh, levels in high a in columbia but i was just looking through the stats i was like i want to contribute something for double a and i was like well okay Moss, not exactly good news but i did want to uh, provide some context for his first kind of i guess month's worth of games at double a yeah and you know the fact that he struck out less than 20 percent he's walking sure. around you know nine for me like that's fine that's at least a good indicator that there's yeah. you know he's still it's able not to- alarming yeah, he's he's able to cut down on swing and miss. There's at least a decent approach there. He's still just 21 years old, so I, you know, as a guy that that really should be a you know a junior in college right now, it's it's a pretty you know good sign that he's in Double A, and you know they they decided to put him up there for the last month or so of the season. He'll start there next year, and and maybe he's creeping up to Omaha toward the end of, of 24, and you know we're looking at a guy that the Royals got in the second round as a draft eligible sophomore, and. You know, could solve the the third base conundrum, at least from an offensive perspective. Michael Garcia probably might win a Gold Glove at third, but you know the the bat the bat does not necessarily scream everyday third baseman for you know for that position. So, and from everything we've seen, Duke can pick it at third. Caden Wallace can. So, I I'm very he's one of the guys that I probably have my eye on the most going into 2024. Uh, just from the pr- position perspective and what he's able to provide there from a bat perspective. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the... Oh, sorry, did you have anything, Josh? 
No, I was just going to say, according to baseball reference, he's still three and a half years younger than everybody yeah. at double A. So, I mean, if he's got an 8.8 walk rate in double A at that point, I'm taking that as a win, no matter what his, the rest of his power numbers rate. If he's understanding the seeing the strike zone that well at 21 years old or whatever, I'm in. And generally the jump from high A to double A is the biggest jump in the minor leagues. Yep. So, you know, small sample, maybe he's able to figure it out going into 24. All right, let's talk about a little bit of season ending for Quad Cities. Their season is over. They didn't make the playoffs, so which is kind of tough because we thought they were a team that that could be the team in the system that does, um, and it doesn't look like any team is going to. I, I know that Quad Cities is – or uh, Northwest Arkansas is close, but I don't know how that's going to work out for them. So we're going to talk about the, our bright spot and our low spots for uh, for this team. We're going to hit one player each. Josh, uh, go ahead and tell us your guy. Uh, mine kind of came out of nowhere is Tyson Guerrero. Uh, 17 starts, he had a 1-1-1 whip, a 31% K rate, 8.5% walk rate, and a 3.81 XFIP. Um, kind of came out of nowhere, considering how all of the guys in Columbia really were like the, the the highlights of the pitching crop in the farm system. Uh, there was a couple other guys sprinkled up and down, but Tyson Guerrero kind of came out of nowhere to have a great season, and he kind of, you know, really anchored that that quad city rotation for a lot of the year until he was promoted up to Northwest Arkansas. Uh, he had three starts, two really, really good ones and one really, really bad one. And I think he just got put on the development list uh, today. So we may not see him again for the rest of the season, but the fact that he was able to make that jump and still be a really, really bright spot for that rotation really, really helped out his, uh, uh, you know, detection of among the farm system. So I can't wait to see what I can see more out of Tyson Guerrero. I've uh, I've got Javier Vaz as my mm. guy, and in the only one of us games, that hasn't talked about him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in 86 games, man, he hit 270. Okay, he had 49 walks and 32 strikeouts. Like that's a, a very significant discrepancy in the best of ways for him. Um, the 118 WRC plus, like the numbers are fine. 26 stolen bases. He's currently slashing 303, 410, 404 in Double A. So. He's doing just fine, if not a little bit better at the plate. Um, the walk rate, really, it's so advanced. Like, that, you don't see that very often. And this is something that we brought up with Vinny Pasquantino when he was coming up through the system. Like, oh, it's a one-to-one, or oh, he's walking a little bit more than he's striking out. To have that discrepancy is the best thing um, for Javier. So he's the number 13 prospect again in the system. Could see him rising just because of what he can do um, and what he has been doing and when he was in high A, which was a really good chunk of the year, he did nothing but uh, show up and, and really produce at the plate in a good way. And he's he was legit in double A, too. So it was yeah. three, it was a really, really good year for Javier Vaz and a guy that I liked when the Royals drafted him and feel vindicated in that now uh, with how good he has been this year. I'm going to double down on Caden Wallace. He had a 116 WRC plus in high A, spent 97 games there, a good chunk of the year. Uh, 10 home runs, so, you know, some decent pop. It's not necessarily a great league for power. Uh, it's, you know, in, you know, in the Midwest, up in the North. So, for those first couple of months, it's cold. The ball doesn't travel. So, it's kind of, you know, take that with a grain of salt. There's legit big league power there for Caden Wallace. Always struck out 22% of the time there. Right, walk rate around 10%. You know, uh, for me, like, I, I think it's a, you know, bat that is going to play. And if he can build on what he did this year, going into next year and, you know, get even better as a 22-year-old in double-A, uh, 
we looks like you know this could be a scouting win for the Royals being able to get a guy from uh, getting a draft eligible sophomore in to the system uh, when they probably wouldn't have been able to if they tried to draft him after this year. I dig it. Um, do we want to go straight down to? Oh no, we have low. We have low points. Yeah, we have our low yeah. points too. Josh, we'll we'll just work our way around again. Cool. I, I talked about a couple weeks ago. Where is Gavin Cross at this point? I he obviously didn't live up to expectations in Quad Cities, and then he got hurt. So he slashed two hundred six, three hundred and three, three ninety four games. It sounds like he's done for the year. Uh, he went on the IL in the middle of August with an illness, and we're not real sure what beyond that is going on with him. But I did talk to talk about it last week. That wanted to see more. Wanted to see him take a step forward. As the first you know first round pick last year. Obviously, a lot of eggs in that basket. So. A lot of eyes on him, and it didn't really turn out so well, so I'm going to make him my low spot for quad cities, but hoping there's a bounce back in him next year. Speaking of a guy that people wanted to see more of in high A, Frank Mazzucato, really good in Columbia, 304 ERA. He wasn't walking a ton of guys. It wasn't anything too crazy. Um, he only gave up five home runs in 56 innings. Just looked really, really, really solid, striking out a ton of guys with good stuff. Gets up to high A. And nine starts a seven one two ERA. He's walked thirty three guys. That is eleven per nine. Or sorry, no eight per nine. He has eleven strikeouts per nine in high A. Thirty four hits allowed in just under thirty seven innings. The home runs are up to seven. So guys are catching on to him a little bit. He also and Joel's mentioned the velocity concerns. Like that is absolutely valid. Then you factor in maybe he's tinkering with stuff, so you don't know whether to push your pull and your stock for Frank Mazzucato. Either way, for how long he's now been with the team and he's not an old prospect, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like you'd think the development would be a little bit further along right now than it is, um, I would think personally. And coming up, everyone said, okay, well, maybe he's not ready until 2025. Now he's like dead set on that timeline. You're like, okay, there, there's no early projection with them catching the world on fire and then being a part of the, the team's plans next year, which is okay. Um, but he has done the opposite of kind of be this fast-moving guy that catches on quick. Instead, it, there have been some growing pains, which a lot of people expected. Not sure too many people thought um, he'd get hit around, and really a lot of it's self-inflicted at uh, high A right now. So for the Royals' sake, they are hoping he can uh, improve and get off to a good start next year. So my my low point's a little bit of like a softer low because like some of the numbers on there, like at face value, aren't bad. But it kind of speaks to, in both with both my low points, scouting concerns. And it's Carter Jensen. He's a prep catcher. Now, 109 WRC plus in high A is a 19-year-old. That is not, con- like that's not necessarily concerning. The fact that he walked 18, 19% of the time, only struck out 24, the approach is there. The power has not come along. He really t- has taken forever to get going both of these seasons that he's had in two full years of, of pro ball. The last six weeks was was better. He looks like he made an adjustment with his hands and was starting to punish balls a little bit more. But the same thing happened in high air and low A in Columbia where he was not good, not hitting the ball well. You know, the strikeouts were still kind of high. And then the last six to eight weeks kind of went nuts. I just want to see him put it together for a full season. The fact that like the the approach is good, but you still got to be able to bat on ball, and you got to be able to put the ball in play. Um, slash 211, 356, 363. A lot of his weighted runs created plus is 
propped up by the fact that he has a great knowledge of the zone. That's awesome. But you got to be able to punish balls in strike zone too. And if he can go to double legs, I think he's going to go to double leg as a tour. Now, it'll be 20 there. Uh, So again, like he is still very young. But again, it's that massive jump. He hasn't really shown a ton with the bat. There's things to like, but it has not necessarily put put it together at all. Uh, there's a chance that he, you know, there's you know basically two doors that everything clicks for him and that little hand adjustment. He goes nuts in Double A, and we're looking at a legit catching prospect, or he doesn't hit at all with that massive jump from High A to Double A. I don't know what yeah. I, I'm holding a lot of Mike Carter Jensen stock. I'm not trying to sell anything. There are just some things that are just a little concerning, and it's the prep catcher. It is a very volatile scouting profile. So I guess we'll see. And I think just to put all put a bow on high A as a total, they went fifty five and seventy seven, a minus ninety four run differential. Uh, so that's about the story of the year for them. But overall, their pitching ranks were tenth highest K percent, the twenty first uh, highest walk percent, fourteenth in K minus walk rate, and then their hitting ranks is twenty sixth in OPS, seventh in walk percentage, and eleventh in K percentage. So I think the approach is fine, but the power is not so fine. <laughs> It's like the uh, the big league, and I guess the minor league monster too. It's like being selective, and then doing damage on the pitches you should. Like they they're being selective. Don't get me wrong, and they weren't struck it out in some. But goddamn it, they were not making any damage in any of the pitches they should have. Which I mean, that's kind of I would rather have the approach like yes. burned into their yeah. skull and then send them to the weight room for yeah. Especially if they're growing kids, like they're, and I guess kids isn't fair. They're adults, but you know what I mean? They're still, they're not physically developed all the way. Um, They're still learning mentally and physically what it takes to be a a pro baller. So Mm -hmm. um, not, not bad at all. I'm just going to segue a guy that has been a pro baller and been a pro baller very well in 31 games. um, Trevor Warner, the Royal seventh round pick um, (laughs) two fourteen. WRC plus he's walking 15% of the time, eight home runs, eight stolen bases, 36 ribbies. The four-year Texas A&M product is showing I'm experienced. Yes, I'm too good for this level. Yes, I'm going to high A next year. Yes, I might even finish a year in double A if I absolutely ball out for a good chunk of it. Like he is obviously too good for it right now. Um, the strikeout rate's 23%, so it's healthy, but not too crazy. He's just been so fantastic. I did not see him tearing this league up that much. Like I knew that as a four-year guy, he'd have an inside track on doing it, but that is so much easier said than done. So Trevor Warner is definitely um, not the full season high point, but since he's got there, he's been fantastic. So my guy was uh, Steven Zoback, who was the fourth-round pick of the Royals last year uh, out of Cal Berkeley. Spent most of the year in Columbia in 14 games, had 61 strikeouts and 51 and two-thirds. Bounced between the bullpen and the uh, and the rotation. He was nails in the bullpen to begin the year. And then he was still good when they sent him into the rotation, but the walk numbers went up, strikeouts went down, so... Maybe I think it's a long-term reliever, but a lot of good things that we saw down there from him. Uh, 2.09 ERA there. Didn't translate when he moved to high A, but I bet he'll start the year next year and and tear it up, and then we're looking at hopefully a guy that can get to double A by uh, the end of the year. And 
it's that way maybe it starts that next wave of of pitchers because there were a lot of good things that we saw from in Colombia just didn't translate to high A so maybe you know an off season we're able to get some of that rolling because a lot of those college guys that were started the year in Colombia were gross and it mm. was you know a lot of stuff that we're like hey that pitching development is starting to to do its thing and then you move up a level and it didn't quite translate but you know it it happens uh, that is not exclusive to the Royals so I guess we'll we got a lot to at least we have some optimism and some things to look for next year with like positive indicators that maybe they're able to bow off. Yeah. That seemed to be the trend that I kept coming in where I was trying to find the high and low guys, all the high guys got promoted and then struggled at the next level. So yeah, you not, not what you want to see, but it's totally understandable that they were. And that includes my guy, David Sandlin, 22 years old. He was an 11th round pick last year. So he was the first one to kind of get the higher bonuses of the guys that, uh, you know, didn't go, go against their uh, bonus pool. But uh, two five seven x fip a thirty three and a half percent k rate and a five and a half percent walk rate in twelve games. I think eleven of those were starts. Uh, so pretty solid out of that rotation. Uh, he got promoted to quad quad cities and then pretty much immediately sh- uh, had an oblique strain. So uh, pretty much uh, ended his year for the rest of the year. But uh, definitely something to build off of for twenty twenty four to kind of go after those uh, go after that Columbia rotation and. Uh, on the flip side, my low point was Ben Hernandez. It was a second round pick back in 2020, missed most of the season with an injury. And then when he did pitch, it was a 573 XFIP. Wasn't walking or he wasn't striking anybody out. He was walking a bunch of guys. Now it's just an eight game. So his profile being a good changeup and not necessarily like big velo right hander is not bode well for his profile. So if he, he, A, he needs to stay healthy, B, he needs to add some velo to it. Still plenty to kind of work with there, but he was certainly a low point in that, uh, you know, that Columbia staff. So hopefully he can rebound next year. He uh, He's a great kid, too. I remember, I think I was with Kings of Kaufman when he got drafted um, mm-hmm. and got to talk to him on the phone. Just a great family, great dude. Um, definitely uh, underwhelming so far, but not quite time to be written off. So that that's definitely an accurate um, representation, a guy that, dude, I'm just going to be honest, a guy that it's time to, th- this is over. The The curtains are closed. This is done. Eric Pena <laughs> hit 133 in 75 games at Columbia this year. Um, he had 153 strikeouts. That is a 52.8% clip, and it gets worse. That I'm just going to let you know, in the month of July, his batting average was 075 with a 49 WRC plus, and he struck out 40 or no, sorry, 54.5% of the time. He hasn't played a game yeah. since the end of July. Like it's done. I'm sorry. He was very talented. Um, if he ever makes it to the bigs and or becomes a star level player and makes use of the tools, he's going to pull a Colin Saunders on me and he's going to clip this and put it in his highlight reel and tweet it out and like i i give him full permission to um but it's over it's get that thing off the road man it is it is done yeah that uh that was tough because i staked i like i was pounding the table that eric Pena was going to be a dude last year and that was an absolute unmitigated disaster that he repeats as a 20 year old and i mean it's 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 so weird to be like yeah this dude is cooked at 20 years old and that's how fast it can happen in baseball, man. And when you're striking out in literally over half of your at-bats, 
it's a problem. Uh, and that is a problem that I don't think is going to be fixed. And it, it sucks. Um, it, it really does suck. And it, it, but it also speaks to the Royal struggles in international scouting. Unfortunately, it, it just has not been good. There's only a handful of guys that you can, can look at over the last 15 to 20 years that have been legitimately successful. So it's tough. And hopefully that, that turns around. So guy that I want to speak to on the low end was uh, Shane Panzini. And he was now to, again, to kind of couch this a little, he was kind of the most raw of the three main prep pitchers that the Royals took in that 21 draft between Mazzucato, Kuderna, and then Panzini. But Panzini was also the oldest of the two. He was 19 when the Royals drafted him. So he's 21 years old, repeated low A, and he had a 474, 447 ERA, 451 fit. Uh, had a, he had 98 strikeouts in 90, in 90 and two thirds innings, which is fine. He had 51 walks. Uh, the walks have been a, you know, a legitimate problem for him at, at all points. Um, and it, it kind of speaks to, again, the volatility and the risk, you know, the riskiness of a profile of propriety where, you know, it's just one of those things that can happen. And it's, it's not concerning because I don't think he was ever considered like a top dude. Um, but you take a chance on it. You, I think he was a third round pick. So it's not like they, there was not a legitimate investment in him. There was a went to high a, and he had a 17.05 ERA now in six and a third innings, but uh, gave up 12 earned runs in those six and a third. It's not great. I, I couldn't agree more. So it's tough. I, I could put a bow on there. They went 66 and 65 overall with the plus six run differential. They had a sixth highest K rate, 11th uh, lowest walk rate, six highest K minus walk rate. Uh, hitting not great, 28th in OPS, 12th in walk percentage, 28th in K rate. So I think that Eric Pena for K percentage definitely <laughs> weighted that down a bit. But uh, yeah, definitely a mixed bag, especially when they added that draft class. All those college hitters came up and started uh, you know doing damage. So I think that was kind of the story of the year after those pitchers left. But yeah, a little bit more encouraging in Columbia than in the Quad Cities, but neither one of them are great. Um, one last thing on my front. Tonight, apparently, NSYNC reunited in the Video Music Awards. So that's the thing that happened in our lives on planet Earth in the year 2023 as the Royals are winning 11 and 9. That's going to do it for One Royal Way. We appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.